it's our role not always to be purist, but also be pragmatic. Hi, I'm Duncan Pryor, digital transformation consultant and host of the Making Things Work podcast. I love looking for innovative and creative ways to make work better so that we can get the balance right in our lives and have seen how leadership and teams can accomplish that. In this podcast series, we meet a group of executive leaders to understand what leadership means to them and their approach to delivering transformation and change in the workplace so that teams achieve great things and people see their careers flourish. Today, we're talking to Crystal Walthorn, Managing Director at Love by Design. Hi there, Crystal. Hi, nice to talk to you. Let's start by introducing Love by Design and your own background as well. Yeah, thank you. So Love by Design, we are a design agency that helps uh, teams and businesses transform and grow through sort of a learning by doing process that allows us and the client to create new product and services that delights and drive different customer experiences and customer behaviors. So that is in a nutshell, us as a design agency. My own background is a little bit less straightforward, I suppose, in the sense that I started out in organizational change, internal communications, and ran a uh, internal communications a team for one of the big four consultancies, and slowly got exposed to digital and innovation uh, in the early days when especially I think the big consultancies started to experiment with innovation and got involved in that and then got the opportunity to join a KPMG as part of the a digital team to set up digital at KPMG, which was very early uh, and had a lot of resistance and a lot of sort of questions from clients and also internally around what was digital and what's the point of digital. It was still sort of when people were trying to figure out what this, this word meant. And then from there, I then, having a few kids in the meantime as well, moved over to a company called EPAM, a big software development company where we were working with clients again on more of the design and service side. So I was a business design director over there working with clients, very similar to what we do now in, in a sense, but helping clients to understand and design product and services. And then from there built amazing products by using the big software engineering team they had at that time. And then, um, I felt it was time to try something differently. I was spending a lot of time in the corporate world and wanted to go back in to be a little bit more on the agency side, sort of have an opportunity to really sort of think about what it meant to be a consultant for com- companies and, and also really wanted to have a bit more maybe autonomy over how we did things and, and how things should be done. So I joined Love by Design in August last year. It was relatively new at that point, having just been set up by uh, its founder, Matt Farah. And I joined, um, again, as a sort of business designer and I would say maybe more sort of client partner and did that for a good six months. And then, of course, we all know what happened in March this year. Um, And I was sort of given the uh, the challenge to navigate that and as well as becoming MD for the company, which has been a very interesting journey. And here we are today. From my own research, Love by Design, it, it seems that whereas a traditional consulting company does focus on empowering the client to, to take their business forward and build solutions, uh, to Love by Design, it really looks like you're trying to bring to the surface the potential of the staff within the organization through behavioral and cultural change. I'm glad you're picking that up because, of course, working with agencies to design new product and services is, of course, not a new thing and, and loads of agencies are doing that. What we all sort of realized to working with clients is that 
one thing is to have amazing consultancies, amazing agencies working with you. The other thing is to understand how you make that work in a corporate setting. And really, it's all good and well that you know you walk in and design for others. But what happened when you leave and what happened when agencies and consultancies walk away? And I think that's the age old conversation about the role of consultancies. So really what we do and what we really want to do is make sure that we are part of the process, not just because, of course, it makes it a better process for everyone. We get closer to the client. We understand users better. We understand business processes better, technology, but also because, and I think this is really interesting, and I think especially now in the last 10 months of various degrees of lockdown, is that when you work with people, it's really clear that you can only get people to change or do things differently or try something else and be curious if there are model behaviors that people can recognize. And very often in organizations, I think what happens is, is that there is this really great furry of let's set something up. Let's create this business where it is part of the business where people can go and experiment. And then they identify some people who are being held responsible to go and experiment and build a new product and service somewhere in the business, sometimes internally, sometimes a new organization in a new building or whatever. The challenge, of course, is that business continue as usual. And we all know that when we see people behave in a way that's counter to us, it's really difficult to adopt behavior. We've seen that during COVID, right? It's really hard for us all to feel that we should do things differently when the people we look up to, to our leaders are not always displaying the right behaviors. So really the issue in organizations when you go in and try to build new products is that often your old colleagues, the CEO, the leadership team are kind of quite busy going on business as usual. So they are not actually displaying the behaviors that needs to be displayed in order for things to change. So people who are then being asked to do something differently are sort of stuck on the side, getting frustrated because they don't really see that the way that needs to work is landing with the business. So really the reason why it's important for us to go in and not just think about this as we need to design a product, but also we need to be part of setting this team up to succeed, that we go in and effectively display the type of behaviors that is needed in order for people to feel comfortable making this change. And that's a real shift, I think. And that's really important. And you don't do that by just walking in, sort of waltzing in as a consultant, sort of talking about what you do and then walk back out. You really need to be in there and kind of be part of the pain, be part of the learnings, be part of the experiences, and also be part of the successes. And that's really what we do with our clients, or strive to do with our clients quite successfully as well. Can you provide us with a couple of insights into how you go about doing that within organizations? I mean, there's different ways of doing it. Sometimes we work in projects that are quite long-term where we effectively insert ourselves as part of the team. So the way we structure teams with the client has got us as inserted into the business as team members. So we really are thinking about how would you structure a team end-to-end and what is our role? And also be really clear on what is our role not and where do we really need the client to step up or where did the client potentially need external support that doesn't come from us. And I think that's also really important. We're not trying to cover every area. We're very aware of where we're strong and we're also very aware of where we either need to partner with our network or whether we just got to put our hands up and go, we're not here. We might know somebody, but actually I suggest the client take care of that. That's one way of doing it. And that's really working side by side. The other example is that sometimes we actually work as a retained team. So we've got a client at the moment where we are inserting ourselves as a retained design team. And our responsibility is everything from setting up design operations, delivering on projects. And then, of course, sometimes we also have smaller projects where we sort of come in and do more work, which is about changing the hearts and minds 
really working majority with leadership to understand what are the implications of new ways of working. Before you get going on big transformations, to really understand, are you ready for this change? Do you understand what it entails? Do you understand the investments you have to make? Are you as leaders able to effectively walk the walk, demonstrate change, support the change? And then the final thing, of course, is, is that we have a, a sort of a sister company that's part of the Love by Group, Notch, which is really an opportunity for us to see almost an experience, you know, how it's done day to day. So we have a business, not which is set up as an independent business, product design business, but because we are involved, we are also learning from how it actually is and how does it actually feel to do this for real. We never forget that we understand that change is really hard and change is really context dependent and change will be different depending on who you are, what you're trying to do, et cetera. So we also try to make sure that we stay close to reality in that sense. As you were saying, not all your engagement with clients is focused on innovation and product design. Sometimes it's purely on the cultural and behavioral change side of things. Yeah. How do you incorporate agile principles and design thinking into the approach? This is a great question. And I think agile in the sense of product development, no. it's a very defined process. Depending on where you sit on the methodology and what your experiences are, we all know broadly what it means to work in an agile delivery process. I think where Agile gets more sticky is A, when you are losing Agile in this notion of we don't need to worry about where we're going because we can change or this idea that it's constant fluidity and therefore there's no end goal in sight or when you're using Agile much more as a mindset, which I think it needs to be. But of course, without understanding the required discipline there is to make Agile work, which when you're in a product development process, it's a very disciplined way of working, right? Agile for me comes in often when we work with clients at the early stages who are not entirely sure what the problem they're looking to solve actually is. So from a really pragmatic perspective, when you're trying to write an SOW with a client who's a little yes. bit ambiguous about actually what is the problem, <laughs> know, you know, and you're kind of sitting there writing down a list of deliverables and you go, it could be this, but it could be that. That's yeah. where we, we spend a lot of time working with the client to say, you might have a hunch, you might think you know where you're going, but we might uncover a whole lot of areas that you didn't know about. And we need to have the flexibility to at least have the conversation with you to say, is this part of what you need to focus on? Or actually, no, it's not. I think that's why Agile, I think, is often sticky because organizations on one hand want to know that you're delivering a certain outcome by a certain date, but at the same time, they now also want to have the flexibility to change and swap and swift all through that process. So for us, the principles are, I think, more in the early stages around this notion of exploration, this notion about only delivering the value that you need to deliver. So again, if you've got a scope and the scope change, why, what's the value? What's the impact on your users? How do you identify your users? How do you clear that you're constantly delivering values for the people who's going to use your product? Whether that product or service is a digital solution to an end user or whether that product and service is an internal product, a strategy, a new way of working, an engagement, whatever that looks like. And I think that for me, what is the end product and how is that end product delivering value is always at the fore of our way of engaging with our clients and partners. When we've spoken before, you've said that what possibly is different from the way you go about doing things is that the way you're using data and science as part of that realization process to bring about the changes rather than purely approaching it from a consulting perspective. 
And I think that's the really interesting point. You mentioned design thinking. And of course, that's the essence of the way that everyone is thinking about designing, especially when you think about product and service designs. So I think there's two things to it, right? There's the first thing, which is when you're thinking about product and service design and user centricity, I think gone are the days where you can simply rely on just customer insight. So this idea of going out and speaking to users and getting insight is great. Validating users is fantastic. But we all know that people are fickle and they don't always do what they say they will. And this is where behavioral science for us really come into force. We really rely on science to understand how to effectively design yourself out of some of the complexities of human behavior. Very simple example, affordability. We know that there's a huge difference between people say they can afford and what people want to be able to afford. You might not be able to afford um, Netflix, but you're definitely going to find a way to do it if you're in a lockdown over Christmas, right? So there's different ways affordability plays into play, which is where it can be sticky for you just to ask users. So I think that's the first thing. It's really about what are the science, behavioral science models and the social science you know, research that we can rely upon. And we have some fantastic colleagues, um, PhDs and experts who really know how to bring that to life. And of course, the second thing is data. It's definitely still considered something that you use in the end when you have done a design, you've you done it and then you measure. And for us, it's really also understanding what data can inform decision-making early on. So that's both in how do we make sure that we test and how do we make sure that we validate early on, but also what other data sources can you use that allows you to design much more effectively. So it's really not about negating this traditional way of thinking about design thinking. It's much more around understanding what else you can add to it and where you can effectively use existing insight as a catalyst to the way you think about product and service design. Yeah, so one of the things that really comes through when reading about your work in the company is the way you put cross-functional teams together. It almost feels like really taking it to the next level with massive diversity of teams and bringing them together because there's just such a tremendous power in doing that. We work in a project right now, which is a huge undertaking. And when I look at the team, it's been a really interesting experience because the way we work together with the client and with our delivery partners on this has just been quite extraordinary because it feels like you you sometimes forget who belongs where. And I think that's a sign of a really good team. And you're still very clear what you need to deliver and where the responsibilities are, but you also get into a point where there's so much trust in the team that you have much more open conversations and you can move things forward at much greater speed. But also that you collectively understand that this is an experience that you have to go through together and you have to learn together and you have to make mistakes together and all these things we talk about. But actually, as an agency, that's the toughest part, right? Because sometimes you have to go back and say, I don't actually know. I don't have the answers yet. This is also new for us. Having that great multidisciplinary team, but working so close to the client, you can figure it out together. And is there a way that you do that? Presumably, sometimes your own team is thrown together a little bit and you start working with the client. Is there a way you try to bring the group together, many of whom maybe have not met before? And one of the experiences I had from my previous work, and I know one that was shared with my colleagues at Love By, was that often you go through a process, a procurement process, and you spend a lot of time signing paperwork, et cetera. And then there's a day and you start and everybody gets going. And like you said, people don't know each other. People might come from different backgrounds. People have different contexts or different ideas of what do we do and what's agile and how does it feel? And there's always someone, especially on the client side, who goes, it's never going to work. We've done this before. And so really what we do is we spend time up front, almost like you go into a design boot camp to really level set and understand not only what are the contexts of our clients? So what are they looking for? How do they work? So we almost understand 
what do we need to consider? We go through some of the design processes and the way we're working so that it's really clear and that people are comfortable with and prepared for different ways of working. We set up body systems, especially with people who are not familiar to the ways of working, so that we start to create some good relationships with people, not just from us to clients, but also from our partners, so that you start to build relationships and also the people feel they have someone to come to if there are things they're worried about or things they don't understand or things they want to voice or ask in a smaller forum. So we do all that prior to us then kicking off the design work. And that means that by the time we start doing that, we have a really good level set, a really good expectation of what we're trying to do, how we're going to work. But also, we know the people and we just know that if you're designing things, and if you're collaborating and if you're solving complex problems, it's just easier to do that with people where you know each other and where you like each other and where you have a bit of a sense of comfort and trust. And I think so many times, and I, I noticed that especially during the last 10 months, is that a lot of that is taken away because we are no longer together. People might think that it feels a bit fluffy to do a lot of that, getting to know each other. My experience is, and our experience is that by not doing all this, by not understanding that we are humans working together, often with technology, we're actually making it a bit harder for ourselves because we are just individuals sitting behind a screen doing things and actually not understanding that it's the connections where the real power and the real magic sits. I guess you can't solve everything, but at least you can get to know each other and make a start on that before you jump in. Yeah, exactly. And it depends on who you're working with. You have different type of organization that's more or less comfortable or used to and have tried before. And I think that that's really understanding that context. I mean, that comes back to, to effectively, you know, again, behavioral change and understanding how you communicate. I mean, it's helpful to understand the people you're working with at any rate, right? And understanding what they're worried about and where they see the real challenges arising, especially as you go through this process. If you understand that up front, everybody's a bit better prepared, right? And then moving on to a specific part of that, when you're dealing with a digital transformation type of engagement, you know, we always say that's very much about the people and the technology, but quite often the focus can be very much on a piece of technology that's going to solve the problem, which could be where you end up, but it's not really the starting point. And is there a way you can hold off on that and really address whether it be the people dimension from a customer perspective or perhaps as well the staff within the organization? I think this comes back to the point around understanding the problem you're trying to solve. Because I think a lot of the times organizations think, you know, the classic, yeah, we don't know the solution yet, but, you know, we want to understand what it could be and we want to go through the process in the purest way. But then you actually know that they have decided on the solution and it's not a matter of if, but it's just a matter of how and when. Okay. And I think that this is a longer conversation, right? But I, I sometimes think as well that it's okay to be at that stage. You know, sometimes it is okay to say, this is what we need to do. We just need yeah. to get going and we don't have the luxury of doing a complete white paper, what are we doing type of engagement, right? But as designers, it's our role as well not to be purist about or consultants or transformation. It's our role not always to be purist, but also be pragmatic. And I think you can be both. I think you can be, you can work in a pragmatic way to understand your context and then say notch now, notch the organizations along the way, right? I don't think you always have to go in and say, well, what if everything is broken? Because we know that even if everything is broken, it might not be possible to fix everything. Yes. So I think, again, it's come back to where are we 
what are we trying to achieve? What can be achieved? And apply that context and that scope. And I know we always talk about that, but I actually think that's the hardest part. And yep. once you then agree on that, then you can understand where can we play. And by doing that, I think you give people much more comfort because I can't imagine there must be anything worse than being the person being tasked with implementing a new piece of technology, a new piece of software, and going through a really big design process and knowing that everybody's going in all sorts of directions and all you need to do is just deliver this by the end of the year, right? That's yes. super angst-provoking. And then afterwards, expecting that upset person is super engaged and super curious and super open-minded. Of course not, because we all have deadlines and we all have things to consider. We have to accept that we are designing within boundaries and we have to accept yes. that. And people come with those and they bring them to us and it's our job to make sense of them and challenge where we can, of course. It's a great way of looking at it. Otherwise, as you say, if you look at it the other way, you're looking at something that could take many, many years, and that's not necessarily practical for exactly. a, a specific engagement. Exactly. So I'd like to talk next about something you brought up earlier, which is a part of the business called Nudge, N-U-D-G. It's this brilliant idea of devoting part of the energies of the company to solving problems in the world, but it is a business as well. Is that right? Yes. So Nudge is the brainchild of Matt and was effectively the foundation for Love by Design. And I think this is where it's really unique because it's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are as a business, of course, yeah. because we solve problems, design products and services. But it's also run independently. So we have a team devoted to it. It's this idea that you have a lot of very experienced people in your team who can be also deployed to developing product and services that has that ability to impact. And also because, and I think this is so important, there is a massive difference between doing it and doing it for others, no matter how you twist and turn it. If you are a consultant, if you are an agency, you will always be on the outside. We can do everything we want and we can be it, but we are still, at the end of the day, the ones that walks away. And we are the ones who get blamed when things doesn't work. The fabric of consultancy, and that's how it should be in many ways. However, for us to have a business where loads of us has been involved in it, loads of designers has been part of the journey, our understanding how this fits together, understands the importance of pivot, understand the importance of learning, understanding how you take insights and turn them into other opportunities on a small budget in a very, very different way from working with, for example, big corporates. I think that's not only is very inspiring, but it's also very humbling. And the idea, of course, is then that we put aside some part of our profit to allow for new ideas to come to fruition. So we could, in theory, and right now we're very focused on the task at hand with clients, but in theory, if someone had an idea or if we had an idea to something we could do, we would have the ability to think about spinning that up as part of the business. And that's really exciting. I think that allows us to stay close to what we're trying to do and continue to learn, especially when we talk about things like the behavioral change side, the data science side, really understanding how we can learn and bring that back to our clients. I think that's the thing. It springs together not only being a fantastic product, but also working for adolescents affected by chronic conditions. Just a beautiful product and a great course, right? Yes. In my last role with uh, LexisNexis Risk Solutions, it's a B2B data enrichment platform for insurance companies. But essentially what it is, is an identity management product for defining people. Yeah. And in the US, it's actually used to find missing people. That's so a similar, analogous concept by the sound of it, where you could say, well, actually, we could set aside a certain amount of budget and then use it for real good out there, apart from just the core business. 
Yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Especially when you're working with people who have ideas all the time. And of course, we're comparably a small agency and loads of corporates are doing this as well. And it just means that it is important to create these opportunities for ideas to flourish. Also, for me, it's really about observing it. And when I speak to Matt, it's great to understand, well, this is what we're going through on a client side. It's just a great way of exchanging ideas and learning and being connected to doing the work we love to do. This underpins your philosophy of learning within organizations as well. Exactly. And that's part of it, isn't it? We have definitely gone on a, an absolute learning journey since I took over as MD. I mean, personally, I've gone on a huge learning journey around. I think everything I thought about organizations have been turned upside down in the last 10 months, right? And really, there's a massive challenge for us to think about what will organizations look like going forward and, and how do we learn and how do we work with them? There's a massive opportunity, but also challenge for us. What I think is really interesting is that I think this is the first time that organizations are really truly talking about people who work in them as people with needs. Suddenly understanding that you're working from home and suddenly understanding the impacts of your context. You have kids, you have families, you have dogs, you have flatmates. We had a fantastic colleague of ours. She worked out of her bathroom, right? Suddenly you realize that actually this is real people that businesses have got within them. And for me, using design, using behavior, understanding how to design great products and services are absolutely critical for organizations, right? It is not just about the product that you're giving to your customers. It's actually about the product you're giving to your employees. And understanding that and mapping that out and thinking about if that is actually fit for purpose. I mean, that's where every business must be right now. And if you're not, then either wow or wow. <laughs> it's really for me, it's like you really got to consider that and consider that you are working with humans and they have needs and they have different contexts and that you can't just assume that what worked in 2019 will work in 2021. That's a crazy acceleration. With what's happened this year, you're really going to take that into next year and use that as a way of driving innovation and change with your clients. Yeah. Absolutely, we have to, but yeah. also with ourselves, right? What does it mean yeah, for yeah. us as an agency and and what are we offering? We have to continue to do that as well. And I think that there will be some things on our list that might have to change just because our clients have changed and more importantly, our context and our world have changed. Now also, my colleagues have changed. I have changed. That's the fact of where we are now. Compared to, as you say, you couldn't really bring up personal situations. We all commute into London jump into a meeting and the idea of explaining whatever your situation is, it wasn't really something that was done, but now it's right at the top because everyone's on video calls. Yeah, exactly. So what's the one thing you'd like everyone to take away today, perhaps with a view to looking at 2021 from what we talked about today, what would be the one thing you would like to leave with us? For me, I think it's really around the notion of design. Although it feels like it's understood, I think, has never been more relevant. The notion of designing for people, the notion of by understanding people, you can really make profound change is something that everybody has experienced over the last 10, 12 months. And I really feel that there is a fantastic opportunity to do this properly now, to design products and services that are for people, supported, aided by technology but also understand that you are not getting the best out of people if you continue to view them the way we have in the past. And that 
great product and service innovation, great product and service design comes from people. And you need to create a condition for people to thrive. And that takes different ways of working, different mindsets. I always say that we need to be curious and courageous. That's the most important thing. And I think next year is really about that courage to make change, but also be curious about who we're making change for. Uh, and I hope 21 will be that year. Thanks very much for that, Crystal. And what's the best way of people getting in touch with you if they wanted to reach out? We are on all the channels you can imagine, of course. Yes. So, uh, so please reach out. I mean, check out our website or, or drop me a note at LinkedIn. That'll be great. Or, or drop me an email. Crystal at lovebydesign.co would be fantastic. Thanks very much, Crystal. It's been really brilliant to talk to you today. Likewise. Thank you for your time and have a, a lovely rest of the year. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. This podcast series is produced by Mark Gardner and Catherine Cunning at Oxford Sound Studios, Oxford, UK.